From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Goal Own Goal. Joining me, I have sporting a fine, fine new haircut, the great Roger Mitchell. Hi, mate. How, how are you and how are your relationships with your barber? Barber's good. Um, it's, a nice, <laughs> it's a nice woman, Barber, and um, she, she always does a good job. Back's a little bit sore, you know. I don't know about you at your age, same as me. Um, not swinging the club. Is it carrying me and Giles around every week? <laughs> no, it's not been able to swing it. The muscles and the bones and they all kind of let seize up. And, um, you know, normally uh, I kind of get around that. There's this uh, masseur that I go to every week, but he's injured himself. So I don't even have that anymore. <laughs> masseur's injured himself. Can he give himself a massage? No, he can. He, he can. Um, he's such a funny guy. He's called Julio. Julio from Argentina and um, of course with that name um, you you would expect that he's gay and he is and um, that's that's a funny dynamic in itself. <laughs> Man, I, was... I tell you life in Italy life in Italy will never be double. <laughs> <laughs> never never and it was really funny you know like uh, I was starting to have this back program and you know Rafael said I know somebody I know somebody and she sent me you know the, the details on whatsapp and then you look at the thumbnail and I said to her I said um is he gay because <laughs> he's there with his partner <laughs> she says yes <laughs> right okay Rafa's no mug Rafa's no, no mug. mug she knows what she's doing she's she no knows mug. what she's doing before before <laughs> when I had a really bad back problem there's this chiropractor in Como um Julia she's called and she's a very attractive woman her name doesn't seem to have been mentioned anymore. Yeah, yeah funny that. Funny that. Julio. Well, the, 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 the beauty the beauty of this is I can I can I can just leave it to the audience to do all the jokes themselves, which is fantastic. It saves me it saves me a job because it's early here. How, how are you? I know it is early there. Where where are you? Where are you today? Double seven. I am in Mexico of all places. Of course I'm in Mexico you are. Of, all places. of course um, you. Are. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a bit like that. So that's another crazy start to the year. But I, I am uh, short yeah, the I'm, Mexican I'm, peso. Short the Mexican I'm, I'm here peso. To, <laughs> I'm here to speak to a group of people uh, in uh, in in Los Cabos, Cabos and Lucas. It was just absolutely stunning, Roger. I, I've always wanted to come here, and I've never, I've just never gotten around to it. And um, it's a breathtaking place. I mean, it really is. You're right on the peninsula. You got the Sea of Cortez on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other side. Wow. And it's just, it's stunning. And the weather, I can't even tell you how good the weather is. Mm -hmm. The weather is, is literally perfect. Like I'm, I'm sitting there yesterday. Uh, I had like half an hour to myself yesterday. And I, I sat down. Um, this is how sad I am. I'm, I'm an, I, I carry my book of Daily Telegraph cryptic crosswords with me wherever I go. So when I'm, when I'm bored, I can sit and do this. It keeps my brain going. And so I'm sitting there outside doing a crossword in, a, in a, just a pair of running shorts and a, and a T-shirt. Um, that one's for you, Julio. 
And um, and I was sitting there doing the crossword. <laughs> I was sitting there doing the crossword, and I was, and I realised, and I realised the weather is literally perfect. I am, I'm not remote. Like I'm not a degree too cold. I'm not a degree too hot. It is literally it's perfect weather. It's unbelievable. Important. You know these clear blue skies that you yeah. get in this part of the world. It's magnificent. Right? It's so magnificent. I'm a very happy man. Yeah, I gave my speech yesterday, so I'm done with that. So today I'm going to play a bit of golf. A bite to eat. It's going to be R and R all day today. So, uh, so, so thanks, thanks for starting that day at five thirty in the morning. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Let's, let's kick off because I know you are up really, really early. Uh, no, think, good. Let's, let's go. Um, go on. What do you got? I've got one straight away from this morning, which is obviously Yannick Sinner at the Australian Open. Uh, just yeah, I figured I'd leave that one to you. Unbelievable. I mean, well, not really because you know he's been doing really well for a while now, but you know. He absolutely whacked Djokovic, who hasn't lost in Australia for who knows how long. You know, and Since 2018. He last yeah, lost in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last people to beat Novak Djokovic at a Grand Slam Davis Club or ATP Finals were Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal and now Yannick Sinner. You know, um, this boy, I think, is, is, is the next one. I, I think, you know, Alcaraz, you know, there, a lot of us people that know tennis, they say... You know, Alcaraz and, you know, others now are really kind of like making big noises to the crowds. Uh, yeah, no, so Sinner is just one of these classic, really nice lads. You know, he's a qu- quiet person from the north of Italy, Alto Adige. Um, almost the complete opposite of Berrettini, who you, we thought was the golden boy, but we know what happened to him and, and the person... <laughs> responsible for his decline what did i tell you man what did i tell you no you got you absolutely nailed that one you nailed it <laughs> she's 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 devastating you know like uh bobo vieri uh kevin prince boateng and now and now berrettini never hit a ball since never hit a ball since <laughs> oh man life's good Life's good, uh, but no, Sinner, <laughs> Sinner, Sinner is the one to watch, and I think he's going to win that. And you know, I think he's going to have an amazing 2024. Well, I, I, I just saw the, I saw the score and read a couple of articles about it. It sounded like Djokovic was way off. I think he made 29 unforced errors or something in the first couple of sets, and by all accounts, he just, he was just. He was off, completely off, and it's it's very unlike him. And he won that third set in the tiebreak, having saved a match point to lose in straight sets. And everyone was expecting, oh, here he comes, yeah, right? Here we here go. He He's done this before. He loses the first two sets, and there he comes. And he got blown away six three in the in the fourth set. So I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but I was surprised as anybody when I read it this morning. But um, you know, I mean, look, a he's getting to the age you would think you would think. Where it's going to be these days when his performance drops off, and he's shown no signs of it until now whatsoever. He's just been relentless. But it'd be interesting to see what happens now, Rog, because that's that's a big defeat, right? Semi-final of the Aussie Open, um, you know, to a guy I'm sure he feels can't hold his tennis racket, and uh, and he gets whacked like that. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens now. You know, I, do you I, do you I, think I he's been back. he's been influenced by all the stuff around Australia? You know, Novak's. Um, even you know, dear you know Mike Dixon, who sadly passed away. Who yeah, he, you know, he yeah, had a bit a of a shame. spat with. Um, do, do do you think down there and all of that kind of got to him a little bit? I don't. I, I don't. I think he feeds off that, Rog. I, I think he's the kind of guy that actually embraces that stuff. You saw. You saw the other day when he's he's serving for the match, 
and someone shouts out, "Get vaxxed, mate!" <laughs> uh, and he and he settles himself, and he settles himself, fires an ace to win the match, and doesn't even turn around and you know acknowledge the guy. Just you can see the sting yeah, of determination. Yeah. So, so I, I think I think that inspires him rather than rather than gets under his skin. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to watch your boy Sinner. He certainly had a great couple of years, and uh, I haven't seen enough of him play. But um, he's super, maybe he and Alcaraz is going to be the next big rival. I think, I think it is. I think it is, and I think I think he's got more of the head than Alcaraz. I have to be honest. But what do you what do you think about you know two years on Grant? You know, privately, you and I, we've got this phrase that we use, uh, "Sniper's Alley" for the number of people of a yeah. certain age that are keeling over our bloody age, our age. Um, and, and, you know, I'm linking it to this other little thing I picked up for today, you know, the kind of Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel, um, you know, back and forward about Epstein Island. And, you know, obviously it started when he had a go at, at, at Aaron Rodgers and the vaccination stuff. Did he do it? Did he not do it? You know, how do you look two years on about what happened in those crazy times and the vaccination and what it all means? Are, are we all you know, on, on, on a kind of like shelf life now? I would say, I would say this, that uh, the the vaccine thing, um, whether you whether you are a, a vaxxer or a no-vaxxer, whether you believe in COVID, you think it's a hoax, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, the government won't be able to lock everybody down again because there's enough, there's enough noise around it and there's enough loss of faith around both what COVID was and how it was handled, that people are not just willingly going to shut themselves in their homes again. They're just not going to do it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm travelling a lot at the moment and, and the, the clearest sign to me is when I when I travel through the average airport and masks are voluntary, i.e. if you're worried about COVID, wear a mask, it is 1% of people are wearing them. So when the government says COVID's still out there, get your booster shots, you're travelling through a crowded place where everyone used to be terrified of getting COVID, 1% of people are saying, I'm worried enough about it to wear a mask. So I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen again. I don't think it can happen again. The damage it did to the world economy tells you that it couldn't happen again. So I think that's that's one thing. That's, that's done as an issue. And, and I think the way they handled it, if you got another pandemic of a different sort, that wasn't allegedly made in a back market research facility in China, um, you're going to really struggle because people are going to say this is another COVID and you locked us away and, you know, you saw the damage it did and the studies are coming through about mental health for kids and all this sort of stuff. So I think that's done as a as a thing. Um, but also, Rog, you know, you and I have talked many times about this this idea that the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way. Um, and I can't remember, it's early here, so my head's a bit fuzzy. And I can't remember if we had this conversation, you and I, or we had it offline. Or, but, you know, the, the thing that's very noticeable is the, is the comedians. The comedians are starting to joke about this stuff. Um, you know, Ricky Gervais has always done it, but his latest Netflix special, Armageddon, which obviously is watched massively by millions of people all around the world, he pulls no punches. And then Dave Chappelle, who I think is arguably the finest stand-up comic in the world today and has been for a number of years. Um, you know, he came out with his new special and basically went after all the all the subjects that you weren't about allowed to talk about 
and there was zero uncomfortability in the crowd. They're all happy laughing, finally being able to laugh at this stuff. And and suddenly on social media, on, on Twitter, and I'm seeing these TikTok videos posted of comedians um, taking on all the kind of the woke Mount Rushmore topics and people are willingly sharing this stuff now, whereas they wouldn't have done... Uh, even a year ago, people were very worried about being seen to be laughing at the wrong things. And look, that for me is a good sign. Like you should be able to laugh about this stuff. It's it's how we get through. So, you know, I think about the next couple of years, Rog, um, my hope is... My hope is... Um, at the end of the next couple of years, sadly it may last a bit longer than that, the world will be in a better place, but I think what's going to happen in the next couple of years is going to be remarkably painful. I really do think that um, both from a political standpoint um, and from a financial standpoint, there's a lot of pain that needs to happen. Um, and not to bog down goal on goal and things too serious, but just thinking about the US election, uh, I've had this conversation with friends of mine recently and trying to th come up with a way in which the US election can be wrapped up peacefully and calmly with the losing side accepting the winning side won, it's it's almost impossible. I, I can't, certainly I've found it impossible. I can't find a way where if Trump wins, the Democrats aren't absolutely beside themselves. And if the Democrats win, I can't see how Trump accepts that. And, and there is such division and such strong feelings on both sides. I think that ends in trouble. And, you know, that's that's without the, the financial pain that's been stored up for 20 years that at some point the dam is going to break. It's just it's just going to happen, unfortunately. So the next couple of years, Rog, I, I think are going to be um, are going to be difficult. Are going to be difficult. They're going to be troubled. They're going to be filled with tension and divide. Um, but it's something we have to go through. You know, we have to go through that to get to the other side, and, and we will. But it ain't going to be pretty. So, you know, I, I, I think we have to be ready to face that, acknowledge that it's likely to happen. It, it, it just is. It's not anybody's fault. It's not, it's just the cycle coming around again. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I thank the Lord that you and I have sport to keep us going because I think we're going to need to watch a lot of sport in the next couple of years to, <laughs> to, to distract ourselves. Well, you know, if it is a pendulum swinging, then I think us... Uh, certainly on Goal on Goal uh, and some of the columns have been relatively honest over a period when it wasn't too normal, to be honest. And, um, you know, in that theme and trying to lighten it up a little bit, um, I I've got this for you. This is funny. Um, Didier Deschamps and the wife of Macron in France, Brigitte. <laughs> Did you hear this what, story? We, what is it with you and wives? In these things. Listen, the whole world <laughs> revolves around the relationship between men and women, or men and men in Julio's case, and sexual tension. Uh, uh, telling you, you can deny it all you want, and that's what drives the world. Anyway, there's I'm no sexual... You're not denying it. Uh, there you go. Um, no sexual there's tension There's no sexual here. tension between you and Julio, were you going to say? No, between Macron, Brigitte, oh, and, sorry. And, and Deschamps. Uh, so they meet at Reims um, University Hospital for some event, and he makes small talk. He says, look, uh, I don't have any players on my team in Reims, but I watch the team a lot. It's a good team. Uh, and I, I keep an eye on what's going on there. Brigitte, politician's wife, 
there's a Japanese player who plays very well in Reims. What's his name again? Um, the journalist replies, Hunjo Hito. She says, yeah, that's him. He's really good. He should be selected for DDA's team. Why don't you take him, DDA? He replies, because he's Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) And I immediately thought of Joey Barton. I really, I really thought of (laughs) Joey Barton. (laughs) But, But before I get accused of going too far, let's balance it up, par condicio, and allows me to remember one of the all-time great moments on fan radio in Scotland where a Hearts fan comes on and is having a go at the Scotland manager. I think it was him in person. Uh, why was he not picking Antti Niemi, who was the Hearts goalie at the time? Why don't you pick Antti Niemi, Antti Niemi? He's Finnish. <laughs> that was the reply. <laughs> He's Finnish. <laughs> The fan says, no, he's not. He's only 28. (laughs) (laughs) So stupidity is not a a gender thing. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can find that on YouTube. You can find that on YouTube. That's, oh, that's, that's magnificent, Rog. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So, so now, now that we've lined it up again, what have you got for me this week, Grant? Well, look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call this a goal. Um, I know any scouser listening is going to think I'm off my head, but um, you saw the news this morning about Jurgen Klopp stepping down from Liverpool, and you know, I'm, I, I've always been a massive fan of Jurgen Klopp. I just think he's. I think he's the real deal as a manager, but I think I think he just he carries himself so well. He does the right thing. He says the right thing. And yes, he gets animated during the game, which you want from a manager. You want that, you know. If you're on the sidelines, you want your manager thumping his fist and inciting the crowd and all that stuff. Um, but I think I think the way this was done is so classy, Rog. You know, for for him to sit down and 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 tell the Liverpool fans that, you know, at the end of the season, this is it, I'm done. And I love everything about the club. I love everything about the city, the supporters, the team. Um, you know, I, I'll never manage another club in England again. You know, I'm, 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 I'm saying I'm retiring now, but I don't, I can't say that'll be forever because but right now I feel like it is. You know, he could not have got that very difficult message across any better than he did. It was, it was pitch perfect. You could see that he was tired. You could see that this was not something he wanted to do, but something he had to do. And um, I, I just think kudos to him and to Liverpool for for announcing it when they did. Now, that tells me they already know who their next manager is going to be. You don't make this announcement if you can't actually, you know, if you leave that uncertainty to the end of the season. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on who the next manager would have been. I mean, prior to the last 18 months, you would have thought Stevie Gerrard would have been the first name in there, but I don't think that's going to happen for a no, long, no, long time, no, if I at think, all. I'm glad you brought this um, up. This, this is a great uh, subject. I think Javi Alonso is probably the, the, the absolute... Yeah, I think he's he's the early favourite. Yeah. He's the early favourite. Deserby has had his name thrown in the hat yeah, as well, obviously. Which makes, but, you know, let me tell you something. Sense. Let me tell you something, because I'm not a big fan of this kind of way of doing it. I understand what you're saying, and, you know, the romantic in you looks at the actual announcement and says... Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? So respectful. Real politique and football, Grant, that dressing room ain't ever listening to him again. 
there. I, I saw I saw it with Walter Smith and Rangers at the end of their nine in a row. He well, said, in that case, why couldn't the bastard have said this before the before Fulham the, Cup time? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm I'm not a fan of this mid-table stuff. I'll still be around. Football in a dressing room is a very, very delicate thing. And if they don't think that they have to react to the boss because the boss ain't going to be there in, uh, in four months, then... These are young men. Remember, these are young men. A lot of them aren't of the quality of values, especially these days, that you say, you, you would react to and say, look, this is great, Jürgen. I'm going to give you my best four months because you deserve it and you're going to go out and high. These young men don't think like that. There's too many of them, and I don't want to name any names, but you know the ones I'm thinking about. There's loads of them out there now. And um, I'm not you sure. How many at Liverpool, Rog? Go, go through that Liverpool team. <clears throat> and tell me, because I, I, I know exactly what you mean, and I know exactly the kind of type of player you're talking about, but I don't see too many of those at Liverpool, if I'm honest. I, I don't, you know, you look at, you look at Trent, you look at um, Andy Robertson, right? You look at um, uh, McAllister, you look at uh, Van Dyke. There, there are a lot of leaders in that team. There are a lot of solid leaders in that team. And, you know, Mo Salah, Mo Salah is... is, is you know, he's not a prima donna. He's a, he works so hard. Um, Luis Diaz. You look at you look at Harvey Elliott. I, I Curtis Jones. Yeah, okay, fine. So Nunes is is, is maybe. I, I wouldn't say he's temperamental. I'd say he's quixotic, maybe. That's a great but one. But there are enough. That's a great one. There are can enough hit, leaders. Can the back of a cow when he's got the ball in front Cows of goal. Off the banjo. <laughs> Quixotic, you call <laughs> fucking shit. Is is what we would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, but Roger, it's not about talent levels. It's about his temperament. And I think I think that team back to front is filled with leaders, and. I actually, I'll take the other side of that bet, which I hate doing with you because you're right 99 times out of 100. Um, but I, I think they will galvanise around this and I think this will actually propel them to win the title this year. No, no. No, I'll take that, I'll take that too. <laughs> There's a real paternal, bless you, bless you little cotton <laughs> It's over. You know, like, I think the way this plays out now is something like you'll start getting various rumours that the club's for sale. Because remember, top of the market, all that kind of stuff. These yep, things are sports, yeah. Yeah. So um, I would have waited. All I'll say, I would have waited. I would have waited. But it's isn't it curious, Grant, because last GOG we talked about Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Um, and in fact, that's going to be the, the source of the column that will have come out by the time this podcast comes out. Um, all about American uh, college sport and what's happening to it and everything like that. But anyway, moment in time, you can link it also to Mourinho, if, you know, that article, if our industry has said Mourinho doesn't fit anymore, the problem's not him, the problem is our industry. There's just a lot of really quality guys that are saying enough's enough, you know? And that's just a big, big warning sign. Everywhere we look in this industry, Grant, I, I just, I, I'm starting to pull my hair out. You know, let, let me go through it. Well, it's not just this industry, Rog. There's plenty of industries where the solid people with values are saying, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. That's true. That's true. It's true. But, you know, we'll, we, we'll keep it to to this one. And, you know, that you know this is the end. You know, the Jim Doors article, the, uh, the Jim um, Morrison article. Let's go through some of the, the ones in no particular order, but I just noted them down. 
Um, Chelsea and the bed at the stadium. Did you see that? Hilton? Oh, Christ almighty. I did, yeah. Right, I well, did. we don't need to comment on that. We know that doesn't work, right? You know, what are they thinking? That doesn't work. Right. Um, you want to talk about Boban's resignation letter from UEFA? Did you see that? Yeah, I, I did. Now that, that, yeah, we should talk about that for sure. Well, I mean, look, he, here's the thing, and this is what annoys me about this industry. See, when the Super League was around there and and, and Chefferin was playing, you know, old, uh, good old uncle Chefferin looking after the, the family of football. I was just thinking about it because I know these guys, they, that's not their agenda, you know. His agenda is to get rid of term limits and continue to be UEFA president for life. You know, and, and, and fair dues to, 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 to Boban, who's always been a little bit of a, you know, principled guy, you know, Slav, that kind of, bit like Djokovic, they don't mess around, these kind of guys. You know, uh, doesn't fit in with any moral or ethical values that I have. Um, nothing is ideal, uh, compromises may be necessary, but this goes against everything I believe in and I'm resigning. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's a big thing, Grant. You know, like, it's, it's a big thing, you know, especially when you've got everything going on in football and it's all bouncing off the walls and uh, money's coming in from Wall Street, coming in from Saudi Arabia, the balance in the game, polarising, um, people being, you know, accused of breaking salary caps and threatening relegation. You know, like, this is a big thing and, and everybody just, ah, it's okay. You know, we, we're in the middle of an absolute fourth turning and, and you just need to look around for a second and it's everywhere. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think the, um, the, the Man City thing is going to be, that's going to be the, the, the peg in the tent, if you like, for sports fourth turning, Rog, because it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to, do you want to continue to look the other way? Do you want to carry on with this mindset of right well we will do any anything whatever we can to brush it under the carpet and we know that everyone will know what's going on but we don't care we're just going to brazen it out or is this the first sign of that pendulum coming back the other way to the values that sport has always upheld in terms of fair play right which is which is that's that's the root of sport fair play right you play your hardest you shake your opponent's hand when you lose it's that simple it's nothing more than that when it comes down to it. Um, and, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, when I read the tone of the pieces that I'm reading about this Man City case, um, it's very interesting to read, Rog, because there is, I don't want to call it a concerted effort, but there is a, a, dis, a commonality in tone of the articles now that feels like it is shifting from, oh, they're, they're going to get away with it, you know, this is just how it works and blah, blah, blah. They'll brush it under the carpet. There's a lot more people now starting to write and, and be brave enough, right? We're going back to what we were talking about the comedians to say Man United, deser Man City deserve to be relegated. Man United don't deserve to be relegated. They probably will be anyway at some point if they carry on playing the way they are. Um, Man City deserve to be relegated. You know, they should be punished for this. That's now the tone. And, and, for, and for journalists in sport who whose currency is access to be coming out actively and saying Man City should get relegated, what they've done is disgraceful. That That's a, a shift for me in tone. And so I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I, I, I'm not as convinced that Man City will get away with this now as I have been for a while. 
Yeah, well, uh, I, I agree with that. But So let's link it to a couple of other things because that is the beauty of all of this. Um, you know, you can talk about micro things and talk about 20 of them all day long, but it's the macro connections that I find super interesting. So, you know, with the Man City thing, whether you like it or not, there is an element of we don't like Arabs distorting our game. There is an element of that. Uh, and, 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 you know, what do I want to say about this? Because, you know, we just had Danny Towns send on and I think I've continually said that, you know, I welcome new capital shaking up the Chefferins of the world. That's my base, base position on everything in sport. I, I welcome it and I don't look at somebody's race or religion or, 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 or way. I, I think it's necessary as a catalyst. But they've got to help themselves, whether that's Wall Street or whether it's um, Abu Dhabi or whether it's Saudi. Now, you know, let's take Saudi this week. You know, they, they've been, they've decided to host, uh, bid for and host things like the Spanish uh, Cup Final and the Italian Cup Final. They had the Italian Cup Final this week. And um, Gigi Riva, who is one of Italy's biggest of the biggest, a lot of people won't remember, but he is the biggest of the biggest, dies. And at the Italian Cup Final, I don't care whether it's in Saudi or, 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 or in South End, it's still the National Cup. His minute silent gets booed and Saudi come out and say, it's not in our culture to do this. We don't even do it for our kings. Well, listen, here's a bit of advice to you. If you really want to take ownership of sport, and in this case, football, I would advise you to adjust that and become a little bit more flexible, even fake it, because for us, that kind of thing is important. You cannot host an Italian cup final where one of the legends dies and you casually allow a whole stadium to boo for 60 seconds. And, and, and all of this is linked. This kind of stuff like, you know, the Qatar ceremony where Messi's got the wind cheater on when he's lifting the cup. My advice to them is that they start getting smart because I want them to succeed, but they're not being smart enough about it yet. Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew this would be yours, Rog. One of these. This, this would be one of your own goals this week, uh, and it and it was. Like, it's you can't even call it disgraceful, right? Because because it 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 did happen with um, Beckenbauer, or in a country where they don't do this, right? So it, it's not disgraceful, um, but it is. You're right. It's completely out of place, and and, and they do need to understand this and they do need to respect other countries' traditions and other countries' way of doing things. It's difficult if it's held in their country, right? That makes it very hard to impose social norms on the crowd. So, so I get it. It was awful to hear, but I, but I understand it. The trouble is, Rog, I think um, uh, at this point in the, in the process, the Saudis money talks loudest and the Saudis understand and believe that their money talks the loudest because it's it's the thing that they're throwing at everything and so far um, it's worked. The money they've thrown has got them everything they wanted so far from Newcastle United to Live Golf to John Rahm to all these things. The money has spoken and all they've had to do is increase the number and they've ended up getting what they wanted. And so it's not really a great surprise to me that 
when something like this happens, their response isn't contrition and yes, we're really we're embarrassed and we're sorry about this. It's hey, this is how we do things here. You know, what do you mean? We we paid you X million to hold the cup final here. Get over it. Um, and that's not going to change. I just don't think that's going to change because these are these are cultural and social. I know it's going to change. And I said at the time that it happened that you know if you want to apportion blame as as a hundred percent, I give ninety five percent blame to the Italian FA. You know, and, yeah, and remember, totally let's come back. It's all circular. It's all macro. The Italian FA are the ones that elect Seferin, and those are the ones that are in their little cabal. They sold the soul of a competition like every National Cup competition that's struggling to contain and maintain relevance in today's football. They sold it to Saudi. They're the ones to blame. All I'm saying for Saudi, and I say this, obviously I say this because, you know, we like Danny, we like Peter Hutton, we like Andy Sutherland. I'm saying it as advice. Fake it if you have to fake it, but if you want to really control and take ownership of the game of football, these are the small touches that will move the needle for you in winning the hearts and minds. Because otherwise, this happens in a week for you guys when Henderson comes back, Laporte saying, I can't wait to leave. Uh, Milicevic Savic says uh, to the Lazio players, I, I really am desperate to get back. The Saudi Professional League, in this moment in time, Benzema also you could throw in there, is looking a little bit like the Chinese one was. Now, they will say it's not the case. We've got right. So that was a terrible thing for them, for their aims to happen. You know, so if they really want to be really excellent in this vision 2030 and everything they say, they start need to get sensitive for the small things because we know it's the small things in football that matter. You know, it's we really like this old, old traditional stuff and they need to get with the programme. Jeez, what you saying about me there? An old romantic talking about the soul of sport and and you're getting with the programme and not and changing to or keeping things the way they are and traditional. Good goodness me. I didn't recognise you there for a minute. Well listen, let, let's let's stick on cup competitions, Ross, because you knew that I wasn't going to get through this without talking about Fulham and, and Liverpool in the week. You knew that wasn't going to happen. Um you know, I watched the game uh, with patchy Wi-Fi on a plane. You know, I'm sitting there um, in, a, in, a, in a metal tube. I'm sitting there on a metal tube at, you know, 35,000 feet going 600 miles an hour with my phone, with Wi-Fi um, and a, a VPN to connect me to the US so I could watch <laughs> Fulham and Chelsea from Craven Cottage via ESPN Plus in the States and watch this game. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable, yeah, you know, yeah. it really is unbelievable, really you realise. And I'm sitting, there, I'm sitting there, you know, Carabao getting frustrated I mean, when the gets... signal drops out for a couple yeah. of minutes, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's insane, it's yeah. absolutely insane. But, um, I mean, a couple of things, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, the picture taken before the game with all the flags on the seats. Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, Klux Klan's thing. It's the small things. <laughs> it's just, I'm telling I mean, it's the small things. It's just... <laughs> look, how could you possibly have thought about that until you see that picture from that angle? I mean, sure, every, look, but it was... Oh, for no, that I'm hasn't telling seen it, you, they, this they, is the skill they, in they managing sport. A whole, they put a whole load of flags, what, black and white flags, which are Fulham's colours, if you're not aware of that. On the on the on the seats, so that the fans could wave them and create an atmosphere, and they did. The atmosphere was it was absolutely fantastic. But 
uh, someone took a picture from one of the ends of the of the of the side of the stadium with all these flags, and they all looked like Ku Klux Klan hoods. It was just it was such a it was such a social media faux pas. It was unbelievable. But um, but you know the game, Rog. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw it or not. I don't know if, I don't know if you had a way to watch, watch it or not. I'm not going to watch the Carabao um, Cup. I mean, seriously, I'm not going to watch the Carabao Cup. It's Fulham. Cup. Come on. Come on, if Celtic yeah. got to semi-final, I'd pretend I watched it for you at the very least. Okay, I pretend I watched it. it was, <laughs> you got a draw. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, look, and, and you know what? It was. It, I, I had. I had this. I had this all planned. My my dad is is in Cayman at the moment. Um, you know, he's eighty five, and he's he's come there for a couple of months. And the Carabao Cup final was February twenty fifth. Um, and I had this romantic notion, Rog. You know, my dad's been a Fulham fan. This is his is this seventy sixth year of going to Craven Cottage, if you can believe that. And um, I had this all sorted out. I've sp- spoken to our, our mate John Calhoun. Shout out to John about this. And if if they get to the final, I've got to take my dad. You know, and I had this vision that you know he's eighty five, and you know he's in great health, but you don't know, right? We're, we're snipers alley, as you say. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> I can see how this is going to get written out. Fulham are going to win. Chelsea are going to win and Fulham are going to beat Chelsea in the cup final at Wembley. This is going to be like the most romantic thing that could possibly happen, right? And I had tickets sorted out. I was going to get my dad and fly my dad over there. Literally, it would have been flying him over from Cayman for the game and we'd go to the game together and we'd win and they'd win the first trophy of his 76 years. It was going to be fantastic. Um, Yeah, that didn't work out so well, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) The Liverpool pissed on that parade from a great height. But, but, you know, the game... um, I, it's, it's really weird, Rod. You know, Fulham, Fulham didn't show up until the second half. It was very strange. You know, Liverpool absolutely dominated us in the first half. <clears throat> we couldn't get, couldn't get near the ball. We were, we were lucky to be 1-0 down. And you're sitting there thinking, boys, it's a, it's a cup semi-final, right? Yeah. This, this is it. Now, there's those dressing rooms again. It doesn't matter if you lose 5-0. I'm telling you, those dressing rooms. It doesn't matter rooms. if you lose 5-0. Well, Marcus Silva's, Marcus Silva, I think, is a, is a, is a tremendous coach. He is good. I, mean, I really do think it's he is. the players. I'm telling you, it is difficult to manage a dressing room. Well, they difficult. came out. They came out in the second half and they gave it a real go, right? And we and we got the we got the equaliser, which meant we needed one more to take I it to extra that. time. And we were pressing and we were pressing and we, you know it just didn't happen. But it was everything for me. It was everything about being a football fan, right? Finding a way to watch on it on a an airplane, yeah. And 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 you know Massive sitting there with, with a guy, on, a Canadian yeah. guy in the. I had the Canadian guy in the seat next to me. I was flying from Vancouver. And I'm sitting there, and I'm living and dying every... Oh, I'm, I'm jumping about. And he's looking at me going, what's this, eh? What are you watching there? <laughs> and he had no idea about football. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hockey guy. Yeah. And I had my headphones on, and I, I overheard him saying to his mate across the aisle, yeah, it's just a load of guys running around chasing the ball, eh? I don't understand it. And I'm like, you've watched hockey? You've watched ice hockey? What are you talking about? But it was, uh, it was, it was tremendous. Fantastic. And though we didn't win, uh, and though my dad and I won over day at Wembley, it was, uh, it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, I think Fulham fans, you know, we lost by uh, one goal to Liverpool over two legs. I think we can, you know, we can, we can be gutted, but okay with that. I wasn't clear on this before. You said something, you've never won anything, nothing. Well, no, no, I mean, we've won, we've won the the championship a couple of times, right? But we've no FA Cups, no cups, no Carabao Cup, League Cup, Milk Cup, Rumbelows Cup, whatever you want to call it. Jesus, I mean, that's rough. That's all right, really, Mister. Right, I follow one of the two teams <laughs> who take it in terms of winning in that Diddy League. All right, what do yeah, you want to talk about? 
<laughs> okay, okay, I'll leave that aside. But Raj, this is what it means to be a fan. But this is what it means to be a fan. This is what it means to be a fan. It doesn't matter that they haven't won anything. It doesn't. I would love them to win something every year. You, you know, I, I, I do agree with that. And this is where my, my internal conflict comes about because I do know that. But let's take an example. You know, this, this is a bad example. This is the Udinese-Milan game, which uh, Udinese, for people that don't know, is right in the northeast of uh, Italy, um, above Venice, to give you an idea, uh, relatively, you know, almost a Germanic, Austrian, Slovenian type people uh, had a very good football team for many years and everything like that. Good, good, good crowd. Anyway, so um, playing against Milan and, of course, uh, the fans uh, racially ab- abused the, the goalkeeper of Milan and he, to his credit, says enough and walks off. The team walks off. The referee stops the game. Uh, and this has been going on for years. It happens almost, but you can almost put your clock to it. And then, you know, a couple of days of outrage and then guys like Chefferin make some noises and then forget about it. Um, but anyway, the, these days in the world of social media, there's footage of it all. So this is what it means to be a fan. You can see people in the, this is an all-seater ground, um, people of our age, women of our age, screaming, screaming abuse at those players and the, the travelling Milan support. And I'm just thinking to myself, what is this fandom all about, you know? What is it all about? Because, you know, um, I know my friend, Mr. Williams, isn't like this, but how far away from it is it really, uh, if truth be told? But that's that's the thing. It's It really is a double-edged sword, this world of football fandom. Really is. Yeah, you're right. And it's tri- it's tribal. It's tribes, right? And that's what it is. And you band around your tribe and you... And you protect your tribe and you you know it's 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 always been that way and you know rog for all the for all the flaws in in incidents like that that you talked about and i saw those scenes as well um for all its flaws uh you know to try and change the nature of football fandom to me uh, a I, i don't think you ever will because this is something that's goes to the very core of our being so you you just need to accept it and we can accept that people do things that they shouldn't. And we can accept that in the in the emotion of a football game, they behave in ways they probably wouldn't in a million years in the street. That's just that's just a part of it. It doesn't make it acceptable, but it's you're not going to change it, I'm afraid. No, you're it's not. Just, it's, just, it's, you're it's, not. Just, it's just the reality. But to be fair, the fans the fans themselves would say, oh, but, you know, the owners are the bad ones, you know, remembering the Super League and all of that. Did you, <laughs> yeah, did you see, did you see uh, Joe Lewis this week, Grant? Did you see Joe Lewis? Spurs won Well, I saw, he, I saw he got done for insider trading. Pleaded guilty to insider trading. Now, th- this, yeah. this, this for me is, is, um, is the goal. Well, of, the evidence was pretty overwhelming from what I saw. Yeah, but that's, that's the funny thing, and this is why it's the goal, right? What age is he? I'm reading it here. What is it, 86? 86-year-old billionaire Spurs owner Joe Lewis. Um, <laughs> uh, what he's doing is telling his pilot and... Other friends, in inverted commas, these articles are beautifully written. The 29-year-old former Miss US Virgin Islands, <laughs> named as his personal acquaintance. She's getting tips that she's taking to the broker and she's rolling in money now. But there's a goal because, look, he's 86 years old and just like the Newcastle lads at the Vermont Hotel, he's still at it. He's still at it, Grant. You've got to give him credit for that at eighty-six. Well, Roger, I think I think in fairness, he's just 
drowning his sorrows because he's a bird owner. I think that's really what it is. It's nothing more than that. No, no, I don't buy that anymore. Big Ange, Big Ange, I don't buy that anymore. He's this. Is I him. knew you'd say that. He, he's he's there. He's flying his private jet and casually throwing out insider trading like Gordon Gecko. And then yeah, the two the two pilots, <laughs> the two pilots made out like bandits as well. What the what the hell? I mean, like, and then you just turn up in court and say, "What's the what's the what's the court?" I am so embarrassed and apologise to the court for my conduct. No shit, Sherlock, you broke about a thousand SEC regulations. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Horseshoe loves Anacop Steel, right? Yes. Just don't forget that. <laughs> Jesus, wow. <laughs> yep, that's a fourth time. Well, listen, let's, sure. let's, um, uh, we have to talk about another goal this week, or from last week, really, which was Nick Dunlap winning on the PGA Tour. I've got that one, yeah. I'm sure Great. you saw this. Glad you brought this up, yeah. You know, and, and it's, I mean, just tremendous. And now, that, to, that, that uh, tournament, the American Express, used to be the Bob Hope Classic, held in the desert. Um, it used to be a five-round tournament. Um, I think with a cut after three rounds, and then the pros played last two rounds. I, I, I forget how it used to be, but it's, it's a it's a it's a long-standing, high-profile, star-studded tournament, you know. And it's played at the stadium course at PJ West, which um, back in the eighties and nineties, I had a, a friend whose dad had a condo there, so I played that course many, many times. It's a spectacular golf course, Roger. I mean, it really is a fantastic golf course. Um, but these guys. You know, when you get into 30 under par to win a golf tournament, it's there's a reason it was always a pro-celebrity event, right? Because it's easy enough for the for the celebs to not embarrass themselves. But still, you know, Nick Dunlap, 20 years old, uh, University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Um, he's there. He's got the lead going into the final round. He's got a three-shot lead. But he's, he's playing the same group as Justin Thomas and Sam Burns, right? You know, Justin Thomas, major champion. Sam Burns, Ryder Cupper, won on the PGA Tour. Um and for this kid to do what he did under that pressure was just tremendous. And, and to see his emotion at the end, you know, there's $1.2 million um, that he couldn't take because he's an amateur. So he didn't get the money. That went to Christian Besedenhut, the South African in second place. Who, You're joking. You know, had, had was one... No, no, absolutely not. Oh, oh, um, gee, no, not even a so, charity he nominates or something. Besaden. Well, well, we'll talk about this actually in a second, Roger. But Bazaden, who you know, who's one of the guys who won his card, I believe, through the European Tour this year, um, uh, and so, but but watching the emotion, Roger, and this young man um, who won the tournament was in tears, who did something, you know, and there was great social media footage of all his college teammates on the on the Alabama team bus, watching the last putt go in, you know, screaming and shouting and going wild. I mean, it's just incredible. And this was all about the sport. And, and you know I'm going to bring this back to live. Of course I am. Um, because he didn't win the $1.2 million, right? He won a PGA Tour event as a 20-year-old college kid. And that potentially opens so many doors to him for a career on the PGA Tour. You know, the exemptions he gets from winning that are extraordinary. You know, he's into majors, he's into signature events, he's into so many things now. And, of course, he he pulled out of this week's Farmers Open at Torrey Pines in San Diego and the rumours were that he was going to turn pro. And, of course, he's turned pro because, of course, he's turned pro, right? I mean, he's 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 a, played in the, in the Walker Cup. Um, he was always going to turn pro. And he can now turn pro without having to worry about having to secure his card. So, of course, he's going to turn pro. 
And, you know, instantly the talk starts. Well, Liv should try and get this guy to play for John Rahm's team. Liv should pay this guy and get him over to Liv. And it's a statement signing and blah, 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 blah. So this, I think, is going to be a real litmus test, Rog, because, you know, he, he, duty, he, he duly turned pro. He announced um, at the beginning of the Farmers that he was going to turn pro, which I, I think is exactly the right thing for him to do. Um, and now it comes down to the money. Now it comes down to if Liv guarantee this kid X amount of money, and, and I don't think it's, it's not going to be John Rahm money, right? It's going to be millions. But let's see, because he now has a chance to, to fulfil his dream, play on the PGA Tour, play in major championships. And this, to me, is the acid test of what Liv is trying to do, of what Liv is all about, and what the PGA Tour and what the PGA Tour is all about. Because this kid can, as a 20-year-old, secure his financial future, playing for millions of dollars if it's all about the money. Or as a 20-year-old, does he say, no, I've got, I'm in all these events now, I want to go out and take my chance to try and earn my money and win the events that I've always wanted to win and compete in the British Open and compete in the PGA Championship. He can still compete in the majors if he goes to live. He can, you're right. He's he's exempt from the majors. That's fine. That's what I'm saying. This is so important to see what this kid does. Let's, as as they say these days, let's uh, workshop this a little bit. Um, Let's let's blue sky it, Rog. Let's run it up the flagpole and see if the cat makes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yuri's wife, right? Or his uh, partner, if he's like Julio. Um, <laughs> oh man, right, so Yuri's part- not going to go away, Rog. <laughs> uh, uh, so Yuri's partner and uh, an intelligent person, and you say um, PGA Tours dying. Uh, sponsors are running for the hills. Next contracts without the big stars are going to be less. Um, you want to go for the glory. Uh, we've got a kid on the way. Um, they've offered you 30 million. He's uh, 20. He's not He's not 30. He's 20, Rog. No he brainer. He's got a wife no, or a kid on the way. No brainer. No brainer for the wife. You're his um, business partner, manager, whatever you want to call it. Same argument. No brainer, Grant. I, I mean, almost to the case that if he took your line and wanted to go for the romance and the glory, I think I would take him out in a boat and you know, just say, look, son, here's how the world works. Like, you don't realise you're 20, but here's how the world works. PG- what are you, Michael Corleone? Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, you do what you want, but uh, if you sign for them, you're going over the side. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you think there's a chance in hell that his manager ditches him, if he makes that decision, you, you're out of your mind. You know better than that. No, I know, I know. But more interesting, chance. more interesting, that is a great thing to run up the flagpole, as you said. But I thought you were going to come at it from a different angle. There was an article in Golf Digest um, which said that Nick Dunlap's historical win put 35% extra on the viewers on the Golf Channel compared to John Ram's win at the same tournament last I, year. I hadn't got there yet, but yes. Yeah, I was going to come to this. Well, so you t- continue because, you know, the, you know what the article is saying is, is headed, golf has become a sport without needle movers. So why, I guess, you know, you, pay, you spend all this money for John Ram when he's not even moving the needle. It's, I thought that was super interesting. Well, but this, but this is the interesting thing, Rog, right? Nick Dunlap wasn't the needle mover. The needle mover was an amateur kid That's winning right. on the PGA Tour. That's right, the story. Right. So it's not Nick Dunlap. So so Liv throwing a load of money at Nick Dunlap 
will not move the needle for live. It won't make people go, oh, well, if I Nick Dunlap's going to live, live I'm going to watch live. Won't happen. Um, the, the, it's the romance. I know you hate it, but it's the romance that moves the needle. It's the sporting achievement that moves the needle. It's not the money. And it, and it never will be to the fan. No one is watching a tournament thinking, oh, my God, this guy could win $5 million for hitting a golf ball. I can't wait to watch this. Nobody. Nobody is I get, doing that. I get, I get that, Grant. And so, I get that, Grant. And so you know, we started at the start of the show talking about the pendulum's moving back, Rog. And, you know, I, I, I feel quite strongly and, and more strongly the longer this goes on that this idea that money can buy sport, uh, I, see, I see signs that maybe that's not going to be how this plays out. I think the money, not Saudi money necessarily, but the money will run out. Um, being able to just throw money at the problem and feel like you can secure the sport, whatever that means, I just feel like if we are going to go through the times that I believe we're going to go through and the, and the stuff we talked about at the top of the show um, before you lighten things up with Julio, um, you know, I think if we're going to go through that, a big, big part of that is is fans repudiating money and saying... I don't want to watch people playing for filthy amounts of money. I want to watch competition. I want to watch people trying to win, not trying to get rich. Uh, Grant, I know and that. I think that's going to be a part of it. Well, I know that. The only thing, and and you know, listen, you, you joked about it 10 minutes ago, but, you know, if you look at my last five articles on the Sunday column, all of them are in your side. Yeah. All of them. So, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I know, getting, I know. But, but and he, they've been brilliant. Anyone that hasn't read them, it's a phenomenal run of work you're on, Rog. Okay, but the point is this. Uh, thank you. The point is this. The average viewer on the Golf Channel is age 63. I'm aged 59. And people can say, the stats will tell us, Snipe for Zali maybe uh, more, you've got another 15 years, 20 tops. We can't build an industry, we can't build a, a media broadcast, sports media company based on people that think like you. So um, this is the enormous conundrum of this industry, Grant. Innovators dilemma, call it whatever you want. We we of our generation, and we are the generation that is the 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 the, the bulk the bulk of it. We all think the same way, but smart people that are projecting forward in an industry in ten years' time can't afford to pander to what we want and think is romantic. That's the challenge. All right. Well, let me ask you this then, Rog. Let me ask you this because if you reach the point where you realise, as I suspect a lot of these people will, that just because we have managed to grow our top line every year for the last 30 years, and that's what it's become about. It's not about the consumer. It's not about the consumer. It's not about the fan, and it hasn't been for a long time. It's about the top line. How do we grow our revenue? How do we squeeze more money out of the consumers, Right. And it's worked because the consumers have had access, like the like the broadcasters and the and the franchises have, to infinite capital at low rates. You know, credit card rates in America are at the highest they've ever been now, interest rates. And the fan does not have the disposable capital they have. And so if you're a sports guy and you're looking at the world as you are, and these smart people you talk about, yes, they're absolutely smart, Roger, I totally agree. But they're also in their 30s, right, and their 40s. They're not in their 50s and 60s anymore, right? They're not 
our age, they're not our demographic. So they do think differently. They think the way that that demographic thinks. So, so I completely understand that. But at some point, I suspect they are going to have to acknowledge that, you know, we're not going to be able to continue to grow our top line the way we have done. We're not going to be, expect that every year that, okay, January the 1st, we sit down, okay, we made, you know, a $50 million profit last year. How do we make it 55 this year? How do we have another 10% increase in our profits? That's, that's the driving goal of what we're going to try and do this year. They're going to, someone's going to go to them, boss, that ain't going to happen this year, right? That's not going to happen. Look at my friend Elon Musk's terrible, horrible, bad week this week with Tesla, right? The business is, is finally exposing itself for what it's been all along. And, uh, you know, not only is the, is the growth dying, but the company warned that growth would be, and I use the word, the exact word, notably lower, right? Growth doesn't go on forever. And so I think at that point, when you reach the, 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 the part of this process where you can't grow your business just because the page is turning another year and it's, it's a, a new calendar you're looking at, you have to think, how do we survive? How do we survive? And you don't survive by catering to people with short attention spans. You don't really care about the sport. You don't survive by trying to bring in an audience who are attracted by a spangly, sparkly thing. You survive by catering to the people who love the game and will always be there for the game because that's what and motivates the, them, not the, the money. This is the crux of all of this because I, I get it. It is, you're, yeah, you're right. You know, this because, is the crux. Because if I, if I was there and I was the head of Disney or ESPN or Warner Brothers or something like that, I, I would get all my managers around me, you know, I'd take them away for a week and, 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 and I would say, look, let's, let's say that we're in 15 years' time. Uh, what product are we putting out? What, what, what do we want from sport and how do we monetize it? And, you know, that's where I start. I don't start with what do the fans want because the fans of today, you and I, are going to be dead. I get it. You don't start there now. You don't start there now. But I, I suspect, Rog, you're going to have to turn the question around and st instead of say, how do we grow our top line, you're going to say, how do we hold on to our audience? How do we... Well, we go through this period of readjustment and reorgs and all the buzzword bullshit that the corporate stuff comes out with. How do we maintain our core audience so that once we streamline and once we, you know, blah, 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 we've got a viable business that we can then start to, to grow again? Um, and I just don't think it's, it's the bed at Chelsea. I don't think it's TikTok content. I just don't think it's that. And I could be wrong, and you and I have had so many fantastic conversations about this over the years. Um, and I appreciate that only 50% of you and I have run a sports league. I'm fully cognizant of that fact. <laughs> um, but, but I've been a sports fan all my life, and, I, and I, I have a feel for it, not as good as, not as, good as or as well-rounded as yours from both sides of the argument, but I, I understand the economics of it and I understand that there is, a, there is a, a point of no return where trying to squeeze an extra dollar out of your audience when they physically cannot do it will not simply lead to them saying, no. Nah. It'll lead to them saying, screw you. You're, now I'm, you're just trying to milk me. And that is the point where the, the Johnny Come Lately fans go, I'm done with 
football. I'm done with tennis. I'm done with whatever it is that I've been you know, brought into by a Netflix special. Um, and they go away. And what you're left with are the hardcore football fans that would, that would you know, go to Craven Cottage and watch a cup final without the flags on the seats and without the fireworks on the pitch. They just want to watch the game. And I don't know if we're there yet, but I think it's another pendulum that is going to go back the other way at some point. Um, and I hope it does. <laughs> I really, I no, really I, do. I, I, I really I, do. I know that. Let's, let, let's say two things about all of that because this is the, cr- the crux of everything. You know, um, the peacock experience for the NFL would suggest that for the, 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 the very best stuff, the fan doesn't say I've had enough. The fan says, I'm buying that. Well, ah. Okay, but we haven't had, Roger, we haven't had the numbers of cancellations for Peacock yet. After the game? Did you, you sign mean, up for your free seven-day, you've signed oh, up for sure, your free seven-day sure, trial, sure, sure, your free sure, one-month sure. trial, Sure. and then you cancel it. Oh, okay, right, okay. If you're saying that, that those numbers are only based on the fact they got it for free and you can game the system for seven days, maybe. But um, I tend to think that, you know, for the very, very top shelf of sport content, the fans will, will pay. It's like... Your kids' clothes and education, it's the last thing that you'll, you'll let go of. For the very top. For, at, at the margin, I take your point completely. Let's talk about the margin a second. And you mentioned Netflix documentaries. I watched the Six Nations one, right? Um, which, yeah, I, I was going to and you put me off it. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully that doesn't, we don't extrapolate that otherwise. <laughs> Six Nations aren't going to be happy with <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm watching it, man. And like the 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 the, the bit of the start, the, the thirty seconds that they show on Netflix, loads of hits, loads of grunting. Like then, I thought, "Geez, that looks pretty good." Uh, so I was right up for it, and I'm about ten, fifteen minutes in, and I'm thinking, "So now the next scene is going to be something like this." They'll be back in his kitchen talking to his wife, and, and like it's so formulaic. So formulaic. And like, you know, um, I thought, what audience, chaps, rugby, Six Nations, what audience do you think you're doing this for? Now, you may have got a nice check from Netflix and that's the end of the story for you. But all of these things, Drive to Survive, are meant to be marketing top of the funnel stuff things now. What do you think you're doing with that? Uh, Is it the hardcore fan? Because you've got them anyway. Is it you know, the new fan, because if it is, that doesn't work. That kind of thing doesn't work. And I I just think, you know, this industry is in the middle of what I call, I've always called half pregnant, because it's tough. You know, you've got a cash cow, which is our generation that's still paying the bills. You've got a 15 year forward, uh, winding the tape forward where none of us exist and you have to service a completely new demographic that thinks in a completely different way. And the industry in the in today is doing neither fish nor fowl content that I just, I can't get my head around. I just don't see it working. thought it was horrible. Just like I thought the golf one was horrible and the tennis one was horrible. It's interesting. I actually really enjoyed the golf one. Um, and, I, and I will watch, I'll certainly stick the first one of full contact on and, and watch it just to get the feel for it. But but you're right, the, the for the formulaic thing is true. And that's why I find it interesting that I enjoyed the golf one because I'm a golf fan and I'm interested in the players, right? I'm not attracted to it because, oh, it's the new sparkly thing, right? I am a fan of golf and so I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy the tennis one so much, right? 
enjoyed Drive Survive because it was the it was the pioneer in that stuff. But once you've seen Drive to Survive, you, as you say, they're formulaic and you you know what's coming. But but as a golf fan, I enjoyed the golf one. I, the rest of them That's didn't bring point. me in at all. That, but maybe you, you maybe are, I'm not the audience. You, and you, I think you're absolutely right. They're preaching to the choir with you. Uh, so that that's easy. It, it's the it's the it's the casual passerby person that you want to try and drag in, and you know you got to do it with some something better than that. And um, anyway, you know, best of luck to them. Best of luck to them. There's a lot of people that are trying their best to do what, like I say, is an incredibly difficult business conundrum. Conundrum. This you know cash cow that you need to milk, but you know you need to invest in the star. Then a lot of ways is cannibalizing and the classic Kodak. Uh, thing oh, really tough really really tough and i've got all the sympathy in the world for the people that you said earlier the 13 the 40 year olds so um, well, Roger, if we go back to our conversation about the scottish rfu potentially um you know reaching out to you to come and have a, have a crack at that i think there's a whole netflix series in the adventures oh, of you man. I, think, I think that i think that could drag the casual fan in <laughs> <laughs> well, forget Hulu for a second because I think we've overplayed that and that might not make it on tape after Raphael has heard the edit of this. <laughs> I, have to, I, have to, I have to be fucking honest. Um, <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say um, me going into the SRU, an organisation losing £10 million a year um, and trying to sort it out. It would be like that scene of Ari Emanuel going back into his agency with a paint gun. You yes, know, it literally yes, would yes. be. And now that would be great TV. <laughs> Anybody want to finance that and pay for my salary to yeah, go to the yeah, SRU? That would be great TV. That would yeah. be great TV. So anyway, on that theme, let's let's finish with a couple of funny ones. Unless you've got something else. Unless you've got something else. No, no, go on, you go. I, I, you know what I've got? I'll tell you what I've got, Rog. I've got a tea time. So you, you let's go with you a couple of funny ones. I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. Uh, this is a, quick, a couple of funny ones. Um, and, and the theme of dressing rooms are difficult and the fruit never falls far from the tree. Phil Foden's mum uh, was hauled in front of a judge this week, charged with uh, brackets, assault by beating... After brackets, a vodka and tequila fueled guild <laughs> out in North Wales. I've got to try to get through this. The crime, flicking a man's hat off his head, something she described in court as, inverted <laughs> commas, my party trick. The, the tame guy got her booted out of Sunny, sunny Sports Bar and she was then arrested after the police to fuck off. <laughs> well, they spotted her brackets stumbling with her speech sword and her eyes glazed. Closed brackets. Clearly to explain, I do not drink often, but when I do, I make up for time. I am like an animal. I kicked off with the police officers. I was a bit of a bitch. This is Phil Foden's part. <laughs> Phil Foden, the fruit and the tree, he's already a father of how many? I don't know. I'm telling you, it's tough managing a young dressing room of men. It really, it really, really is. <laughs> Phil Foden's mum, unbelievable. I don't know where you see these stories. I don't read the, the news outlets that you do, obviously. <laughs> if I told you, then everybody would know and they would get one up on the podcast. But there's a couple of well, this is, yeah, this is true. This is true. Keep you got to keep you got to keep some trade secrets. Oh, yeah, come yeah. on, you said you had two more. Well, the last, G- one, the the last, last one, one is classic uh, Steve McLaren. Did you hear Eric Dyer being interviewed in Germany? Oh my God, I did. <laughs> I did. What, what was he thinking? <laughs> 
I did. Was, was he I, didn't what, I didn't know what to make it. For those of you that haven't seen this, and Ross, maybe we can tweet this tweet this picture. But Eric Dyer, the Spurs, the Spurs uh, player from North London, who's gone to play for Bayern Munich, was interviewed after the game and in English. And uh, I mean, he 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 did what I can only describe as a basil faulty German accent to try <laughs> to, to answer the questions in English, but by. Instead of saying the, he would say the. It was, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was, for you, Herr Bartlett, the war is over from The Great Escape. It was just, it was unbelievable. Now, I, I have to say, our mutual friend, Colin, um, we, were, we were chatting about this in our WhatsApp group this week, um, and uh, apparently he was saying, so someone had said that he'd, he'd lived abroad and he was brought up in Europe or yeah, something. Por- Portugal, something. Like, Portugal. Portugal, there you go. But he still doesn't speak German. Right? So <laughs> even if you were brought up, in, <laughs> brought up in Portugal, I'd have been better if you'd give it the old FFF, Scorchio. I mean, it's, it was it was absolutely hysterical. Is, the lads played a blinder for, it was a game of two halves. <laughs> it was just, it was so comical. Yeah. God bless him for trying though. Yeah, but why? Why try? Nobody's asking you. Nobody's asking you. And it's not making the interviewer's job easier because you obviously think no. that it is that he can understand better if you put on the accent. You know, it, it, it reminded me of the great, um, the Fast Show character, Julio Giordio. Remember him? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, put it in the bucket of the net, Lee. <laughs> it's, just, it's just brilliant. Oh, Absolutely brilliant. Well, Rog, listen, that's it, that's it. you go did a great and, job of ending on a couple of light notes there, my yeah, friend. Well done, you. Well good good done, show yeah. on you. Get going on the Mexican golf courses. Yes, mate. I am going to go out and I've got... So my, my golf clubs are stuck in a Mexican DHL facility, so I've had to borrow clubs while I'm here, which is um, a bit of a pain, but... Um, Undaunted, I shall carry on, Rog. I'm going to go and make my way to the first tee. In fact, right now it's 6.45 here and I am on the tee at 7.05. So the warm-up be damned. I will... um I will let you know how Thanks I get on. Thanks for doing You'll that, hear me from there. I know you didn't really Oh, mate, time. no, I've enjoyed every minute. That was funny. Always. This is a funny um, <laughs> Uh, thanks to uh, thanks to you for listening. Uh, thanks for putting up with us. Uh, it won't be this time of the morning where you are, but thanks for listening anyway. Um, you can find us on social media if you don't follow us already. Um, you can find me at TTMYGH. You can follow the show at Entertained R. That's the word A-R-E. And myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. And if you do want to follow Julio on social media, <laughs> Roger, have you got his... Uh, have, you got his have, you got, have you got his handle? I do not have his handle. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'll see see you soon. And hi, Rafa. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.